to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. Hey, welcome back to Didn't See It Coming. Now, in my last podcast, I had uh, Isaac Tolpin aboard. Isaac is the co-founder of a company called Conveyor. C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-U-R. And Isaac crossed my path at a very, very important juncture. I had been struggling to put together online education courses for helping people build brands, helping them build speeches, helping them build pitches. And uh, the existing platforms just made me feel dumb. And I had a hard time with them, so I got frustrated. And for the better part of a year, I just sat there stewing on it. Well, anyway, long story short, I met Isaac and I saw Conveyor and uh, it is a platform that allows you to put together online learning, online education in bite-sized pieces that just seem to work beautifully for what I needed and according to Isaac is the way of the future because people aren't learning in 20 or 30 minute sections anymore. They're learning on mobile, on the bus, on their way to work in three to five minute sections. Well, to cut to the chase, I was so excited when Isaac described this stuff to me that I said, you know what, I'm going to dump my current learning platform and I'm going to sign up with Conveyor, which I promptly did. And I said, I am going to invite you back, Isaac, after I've done my first few lessons myself, which I did over the Christmas holidays. And I put this together and I got to say it was a a terrific experience. So now for the benefit of you, my listeners, if you don't remember my last podcast, uh, I promised that I would be bringing Isaac back on a regular basis and it's sort of create a, a creation of podcast series where we go, all right, this is what I've done now. What do you think? This is what I've done now. What do you think? And just reflect a little bit on on how my experience mirrors or doesn't mirror uh, what other people who are going through Conveyor are experiencing. And then maybe play that out into the bigger world of, well, where's online education going? So I am lucky enough to have Isaac on uh, on the connection today. Isaac, welcome back again. Oh, it's great to be here, Mark, and uh, nice job. Way to get something done over Christmas, and it uh, looks really good. Well, I, you know, I got to say, uh, the first thing, let's, let's just go right to the very, very first big difference. You told me in our last conversation, do not create long education videos like you're standing up in front of your university class. Cut it down to little five-minute chunks. If you got a 20-minute lesson, turn it into three five minute chunks and chuck away the final five minute. And I did that. And in fact, what I did, I I took it down to a five minute chunk, sent it out to a few people I trust, and they said, make it even shorter. So I cut it down to three minute lessons. And I just, it was brilliant because I was able to focus for three minutes, like a laser beam, get one solid lesson out and boom, you're done. Now, does that reflect what a lot of people's experiences is? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's transformational. And you have to think about there's a whole other side to it, too, is the cost of production and how do you keep your content relevant. So, so there is what you said, which is people have short attention spans and you got to break it down small so that they, they actually retain that information and actually go through it. But there's this other side, too, which is what if one of your videos uh, becomes irrelevant at some point? 
Mm. Well, the more production you put into it, the more effort you put into it, the less likely you're to update it. And that's the same for companies. And so what you're doing has multiple benefits and is alignment with where human behavior is. So people, you're building what I call learner trust, which is, you know, I need to accomplish something within five minutes and get recognized for it and learn something valuable. And if you always keep it to around that level, then I'm going to come back because, you know, everybody can find five minutes between things, but not everybody can find 10, 15, 20 minutes and you lose people fast. You know, it, it, it really stuck with me. The one thing you said, cause I thought I, I was the, I was the dummy here, uh, that I couldn't figure out how to do an entertaining course, you know, on my previous platform. And then you said, even Ivy league schools have enormous dropout rates because they're just putting boring courses out. And these are the most, uh, you know, these are the most intriguing professors in the world and they can't hold people's attention with a long format video. Yeah, it's a big mistake and it's a whole different medium. Like you might be able to hold people's attention for half an hour, 45 minutes in a lecture because you're brilliant. Um, but you also have a lot of social pressure there. It's mm -hmm. not like people are going to walk out while you're talking. They're there, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, but, but in a digital environment, it's the noisiest place in the world. If the most distractions are in digital and yeah, if you're going to retain yeah. people, it's got to be short. You got to break it down. And that's hard for people that are used to pontificating for long periods of time. Yeah, it's it really went against the grain because I thought if I can't make it long, make it long then I'm going to then I'm going to look stupid, you know, that I, I'm not going to be respectable. And and exactly the opposite was true. Yeah, it's it's counterintuitive, isn't it? From a from an author standpoint, which is. You know, I've, I've got to make sure I make there's make sure there's meat in this video. And and you know what? Well, you're you're the, the speech trainer and I'm sure you teach people this. It's harder to create a short speech than a long speech. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, looking at it as an outsider, as a person who is suddenly thinking in terms of watching what I create, I go, Jesus, I wouldn't want that long thing. You know, that's just like reading a science textbook. I did that. But uh, yeah. let me let me move on. Uh, there, the, another thing that that I loved about Conveyor that I haven't seen anywhere else. Uh, as soon as I, I create my video, I mount it up there. I put a little introduction. This lesson is about, and then when I'm done the video, I can add like Lego blocks of workbook questionnaires. Now another thing that I was struggling with in the old format was okay, I got to put a workbook together for every lesson and these things turned into 10 page documents i thought nobody's gonna stick with me and uh, you know then they're gonna be ticked off and they're gonna want their money back so I, I with conveyor i went in and i did the video and then i could go and add the things that you call challenge questions which are, are for folks who haven't tried it out, you get to take an assortment of question formats. There's, there's multiple choice, there's poll questions, there is, uh, there is long format uh, Q&As. And what I did, right. I, I just, I did my little quick recording and then I picked, for example, uh, here's a checklist of things that you should ask people. And I, I gave them a five item checklist and, and I was done. The lesson was done. Not only that, but I got to give them points for everything they checked off. So they get 50 points every time they accomplish a thing, which, you know, satisfies the six year old in all of us. But <laughs> I, and then I got to, I got to add variety. So in one, I remember I did like a poll question and long format. Then I did a multiple choice in another one and, and a fill in the blanks. 
And so it kept it interesting, you know? I thought that was really, really cool. Now, um, how, uh, how did you come up with this idea of just putting different format questions in as opposed to giving someone a blank space to write their workbook in? Well, it's my co-founder and I, Stephen Ryan, it's, it's experiences in past with understanding human behavior and being in the e-learning world and just looking at, you know, it's got to be short, it's got to be quick and people have to get instant feedback and it's got to be on their mobile device because um, that's where they appreciate and love learning quick things. And, mm-hmm. and you know, if, what are what are you more likely to do? Some Something that's really deep thought or answer a poll question real quick and see how your answers stacks up with other people in an anonymous format. Uh, like you're going through with people, people like that immediate feedback. They like to do something that they get recognized for. Um, they, they see themselves on a leaderboard. They, uh, see themselves in a poll question with others, uh, you know, uh, how their answers are. And it's just that, that immediate feedback, it's a YouTube world. So we've got to, we got to match to that in the workbooks. You're right. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm okay with workbooks, but you got to make your workbook almost optional, not the main thing, because yeah. there are some people that are more cognitive, really like that. They'll print it out. They'll go through it. But frankly, most people just want to spend the five minutes and move on and get recognized. You know, it's funny because uh, there I don't know if it's something you said or if it was just something I got uh, while I was putting my videos together and these challenge questions. I started to think to myself, my listener, my student is going to be jumping on the bus and they've got 10 minutes before they get to their stop. They got the earplugs in. And uh, I want them to be able to do one lesson complete in the 10 minutes that it takes them to get from A to B and get off the bus and feel smarter in the morning. And I, I thought that if I kept that in mind, I think I'd, I'd be okay. It's, it's one bus ride. Yeah. Yeah. It's got <laughs> to feel more like a game, right? It's yeah. got to have those elements to it where it's quick and fun. Now I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask you one thing. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting. I started stacking up. I have a video, and then three questions, and then we move on to the next video, and three questions, and then move on to the next video, and three questions. That's the way I'm formatting it. Now, do people get a point where they say, "Okay, I, I don't want to do any more of this. Uh, I wish they would force me to pause," because you've built a feature into Conveyor where. Um, if you do a lesson, you can optionally say, you know what, the next lesson isn't going to be available for another 24 hours. Do you find that that works better with people or should you just give them the option to like binge watch on Netflix where they can do 20 lessons in one sitting? Yeah, it's a good question. It's self-paced or dripped out is, uh, is what you're describing mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, uh, different use cases. So, um, I really lean towards the dripped. Because uh, what I'm learning from, you know, people, chief learning officers and companies and so forth, what I'm hearing out there in terms of learning and development is that if you give a repository of content for people to go to and if they have to log into, they just stop doing it. Ah. And and because they just out of sight, out of mind, they're busy, they're doing things. But if you make it compelling and short and interactive and then you notify them there's a new morsel of content, then they eat it up and they're excited about it. And so I'm really in favor of that dripped out method. However, there are use cases for it's self-paced. Maybe it's only five lessons. It's not this long thing. And, and it's, it's, there's an appetite for this content and people are, are likely to gobble it all up at once. There's, there's definitely a place for that. 
Oh, so, so what I should probably do then is I have the first lesson, which is uh, ask yourself three questions. Why, do you, why were you picked to speak on this topic? Uh, why this topic in particular and why at this point in time? And then I've got a video on that. And then I've got three little questionnaires, uh, questionnaire things for them to fill in. And then that sort of unit is done. And then maybe I should say, all right, you've done great. Good on you. And then now they can't go any further. And then they'll get a notification automatically saying, all right, time to try the next one. So it gives them almost like a mental breather. You think that would probably be better, eh? Yeah, you're kind of mixing both there, which is intriguing. I love that because you have a group of content that's uh, self-paced mm-hmm. and then pause and then you go, hey, in a, in a couple of days, we're going to we're going to send you the next. But until then, be thinking about this over the next couple of days and you can kind of challenge them uh, without any more course activity. But now you're really engaging in experiential learning. One of the things I liked about what you created is there's a lot of experiential learning in there. Oh, cool. Well, let's, let's go to it because you, um, <clears throat> what, what's cool about this podcast now is that we've actually got a bit of hindsight. You, you've actually taken a look at some of the stuff that I've done. And I'm going to share some screenshots in the blog post that I create with this post uh, about you know, reflecting stuff that I've done. But I'd love to hear from you first thoughts on what you saw in, in the, the few units that I created. Yeah, no, it's great. I like the videos. I like how you put words. Like you'll be talking in the video and all of a sudden you, know, you have a statement that you said just kind of go big blocks right over you. I think that that was nice and that's super easy editing so anybody can do that but it was it looked really good i also think uh the short videos so you nailed that like going down to three minutes is even better i sometimes in public will say five minutes because i'm trying to get them from you know from a you know a 50 store building down to you know mm-hmm. relevancy but but so so that was good i also like um you know, one thing, a couple suggestions is that, you know, you have a poll, I think it's like in the third one where there's interactivity mm-hmm. with a poll. I always recommend like put a poll in the front uh, because it kind of says to people, you're going through this with other people right away. There's a real big power in social learning. That's where you answer a question and you see that other people are answering and you can even see other people's answers. It's something really intriguing on the poll question and convey your you can, there's a thing you can check where you can open it up to actually, oh, I'm sorry, it's not on the poll, but the poll's a great idea, but there's another one on the open-ended question, which mm-hmm. is another good idea, where you can uncheck it and you can actually see each other's answers. So either the open-ended question or a poll near the start is really powerful because it says, hey, there's other people dealing with similar things, I'm going through something with other people, and I'm getting immediate results. Oh, I have to dig into that. That's a brilliant suggestion because... I could imagine I start something and the first thing I click on is, hey, I, I want to write my own speech because I've got a big present. Uh, you know, my kid's getting married or, I, you know, it's Christmas time or my boss told me to and I'm scared like crazy. And you write that down. And suddenly what you're saying is that it'll pop up. A whole bunch of people's responses will pop up and go, oh, my God, all, the, all this course is for people exactly like me. Yeah, totally. It's really encouraging. And it's engaging. And when we tend to want to do well when other people are involved. Ah, interesting. That, the, the psychology of this is wonderful. Speaking of psychology, uh, when, when you and I last spoke, 
I mentioned, you know, uh, people aren't going to shell out whatever. I think I'm going to price this thing at $500. You know, pricing is the hardest thing of marketing. But I, I'm thinking I'm going to price this big course for 500 bucks. But nobody's going to shell out 500 bucks for something they don't know. So I want to give them a free teaser. The psychology of free teasers versus, say, a subscription where you go, hey, you can get the first units for 50 bucks, the second package is 50 bucks, the third package is 50 bucks versus one big package for 500 bucks. What, what's your thoughts on the psychology of pricing for, for online education? Well, that's a big topic, but on, in a short sense is that um, you've got you've to convince them that there's something substantial in your offering. And so the, if you give a freebie, which I highly recommend, I think it's a great idea, it needs to have changed them. They need to have been impacted in a deep way by that free thing. You need to give some of your very best content in that free thing. And, and if you do it and it convey your experience, not only is the content great, but delivery. Remember, content's a commodity these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's everywhere. But if you curate, curate it right and make an engaging experience with great content, now, now that is back to the king level. So that's really, really important to think about. And then on the pricing, you know, here's, here's something that will help people. Which is if you if you're doing like Facebook ads or something where they don't feel that personal connection to you, like you're right there, like a, more like a webinar, mm-hmm. then it's harder to sell something at a higher price. Uh, but if you do something like 45 minute webinar through Webinar Jam, which is what I recommend, um, then you can actually sell something at a much higher price because they feel like you're right there with them and they're part of a workshop with you and they're tasting that content real time with you, even though you can make it evergreen. So. So I think I think the more you can influence them and get them into a captive audience for a long period of time, like a webinar, you can charge a higher price. If you if you're doing more like Facebook ads or things like that, it's harder to charge a higher price. Ah, interesting. Because what I was going to do was do you know an outreach campaign through LinkedIn, um, where I just find everyone who has a certain title and I and I uh, start you know I get them to opt in and then I do a drip campaign to them saying, hey, you should try this thing out. But what you're saying is probably what I should get them to do is opt into a webinar first to figure out if they want to try it out and then feed them the free teaser to say, hey, this is actually real, and then they'll pay a higher price. Yeah, and even from a webinar, I mean, it's a, it's a craft, right? So you got to get good at it. But even from a webinar, you could sell something that's normally $1,900, and if you buy it right now, it's $900, plus I'm going to add these four other things to it. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you do that right and your content's really compelling, uh, that can work even at that higher price point. But, in, in, you know, as you build credibility, Facebook ads can work too, LinkedIn, getting it out there. But there's something called the tripwire, which is a low cost thing, very low cost, that's easy for anybody to buy with really valuable content that gets people hooked. And once people are hooked, they can also tend to buy a higher price thing. So you can use Facebook ads, maybe give something free, then they buy something that's 19 or $29 or $39. And then now you have your raving fans that end up buying your $900 package. Oh, man. There's so much still ahead of me. I can't wait because now I have got a setup for our next podcast. I'm sure we're going to be doing another one shortly as I move more and more into the course and as I start to explore because next week I already have a meeting set up with some of my colleagues on how to promote this 
course that I'm going to be creating. So I would love to bring you back aboard and say, all right, we've gotten halfway through the course now, halfway developed. You've taken a look at some of the things, given me some more tips, and we've reflected that back to the audience. But also we're starting to talk about how to pull people into your online course. I think it would be a great podcast. You up for that? Oh, absolutely. I look forward. Yeah. Awesome. Isaac, thank you again. Ladies and gentlemen, Isaac Tolpin, uh, the co-founder of Conveyor, C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-U-R. And uh, stay tuned. I'm going uh, to be featuring my course as we develop it, and you can watch it happen in real time and follow along with the podcast. Thanks again, Isaac. Yep, take care. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast for brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. 